today's episode was supposed to be about Cuba. It was supposed to talk about Fluencio Batista, Fidel Castro, and all the other people who played an, a very important role in Cuba's revolution <clears throat> in uh, 1959, or during the 50s. But my brain, of course, being my brain, wanted to do something else and is going to talk about something else today. And it's going to be completely off the cuff. So hopefully it sounds somewhat coherent. If not, please bear with me. You know me. All of you are my loyal supporters and followers. And I really appreciate your support at all times because it's unreal. Anyways, what can Nate possibly want to talk about today? Now, today's topic is potentially going to be my most controversial yet. Not my most controversial ever, because I'm sure I will get more and more controversial as time progresses. But it's going to be probably my most controversial yet. And I just want to give you all a heads up that what I am about to share with you are just my opinions. But I want you to also know my opinions are always based on facts, observable, quantifiable facts. They're not just something I pulled out of my butt to just hear my own voice. So <laughs> please bear with me. Now, 2020 has been a rough year for most people, unless you're the top 1% who made money off of the pandemic, which if you are, you know what? Don't listen to my podcast because I don't want billionaires listening to me speak. I'm a working class guy. I have working class expectations. And one of my working class expectations is to see Jeff Bezos toppled from his high horse within my lifetime. Hopefully, my dreams can be realized. Anyways, this year has been extremely rough for a lot of people. Many people have lost their jobs. People have lost their lives. A lot of suicides, a lot of um, business closures, a lot of death and destruction in this world. And, you know, it has opened up many people's eyes to the cruelties of living in a 21st century capitalist society. And yes, yeah, so here I go again, ragging on capitalism. But trust me, today I am definitely justified. In fact, I'm always justified to, um, to, to criticize capitalism. But today especially, I feel very justified. So 2020, a few things that stuck out for me when it comes to social change. Number one, of course, is the resurgence and very quick, um, I guess, Desurgence or, or, or high, uh, I, I don't know, derelevance, the becoming of irrelevance of the Black Lives Matter movement. This happens all the time. Every time there's a spout of police brutality in the United States, protests happen, reform is promised, reform never comes, BLM shuts down and goes back into the woodwork. Because, look, in my opinion, as a black person, I think BLM is one of those organizations which looks good on paper, but in reality doesn't really do much for society. But... <laughs> Yes, okay? Before you start saying, Nate, what the hell's wrong with you? As a black person, you're supposed to support BLM. Let me tell you something. This year has taught me something about the black community, which I didn't really want to accept before. I, I was, I don't know, maybe a little bit too, um, too utopian about it, I guess. You know, there's been, especially this year with COVID, because people have time to think and, and, and to really, you know, absorb information in, in new ways there's been a resurgence of like a black pride black power black um black excellence black wealth you know black business sort of um revival and you know 
it sounds nice, you know, it, 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 it sounds good. But in my mind, something wasn't quite sitting right with that. Something wasn't quite um, making me feel comfortable with hearing people talk about black business and you, you have to support black business. You have to support your black you know, family, brothers, sisters, whatever you want to call it. And the reason why this wasn't really sitting comfortable with me because the same people who were saying these things, well, not all of them, trust me, a lot of them are not, but a, a, a quite a vast majority of people, especially through social media, um, who were talking about this black revival, as they were putting it, the black renaissance, as they were putting it, are the same people who spout extremely homophobic, extremely discriminatory things about other people. I know I, I have family myself who are, are extremely homophobic and I, I just refuse to discuss these things with them because, I mean, when they talk about the threat of feminizing manhood, I, I just think, okay, what does it have to do with you, <laughs> you know? Like, okay, side note here. What is so bad about the so-called fake, I guess, you know, in the air, uh, um, in, imaginatory feminizing of manhood? You know, a lot of these black men feel somewhat threatened that other black men are coming out of the closet as gay or as transgender or or as something that is not heterosexual. Someone who is not heterosexual or, or um, cisgender. You know, to me, as a black man, someone who identifies as a black man, right? Someone who is a cisgender black man. To me, you know, I, I that makes me extremely happy that people, not just black people, but all people can feel comfortable with how they feel on the inside, right? I don't care what someone's genitals look like, <laughs> I mean, to be frank with you, right? It, it doesn't matter to me what someone's genitals or, or, or what, what someone, you know, was assigned at birth. What matters to me is that you're happy and that you're doing what you want to do with your life. And what matters to me is that you're benefiting society as a whole. You know, me as, as again, a, a, as a black man, you know, like, you know, started, you know, putting my pronouns in like my work footer. You know, for example, you know, like two years ago, I, I would have never done this. I would have thought, oh, that, that that's weird, you know. But today it's like, you know what? This is doing a lot more good than it is doing, because it's not doing any harm, in my opinion. It's doing all, all a lot of good. And it's um, basically normalizing, which is a quite a common word this year. It's basically normalizing that, you know what? Yes, you can call me this, because there are people out there who do not want to be called what I am called. They do not want to be addressed as he or him. Right, they want to use other pronouns, and we should respect their wishes to use or to be identified as whatever pronoun they choose to be identified as. You know, and anyways, um, a lot of black people, okay, are against this. A lot of black people are extremely homophobic, and this has to do with a lot of black people. I, I'm, I'm referring to this in, in a Canadian and American lens here, not a worldwide lens. I mean, worldwide, it, it is very similar, but. A lot of black people um, worldwide, especially the older generations, are very religious and they hold on to a very conservative religious mindset. And this religious conservative mindset translates to many of the children who grow up in a homophobic or in a discriminatory environment. The other thing which I've noticed this year when it comes to the new black movements is well, I, I mentioned it briefly earlier, was the resurgence of, or not resurgence, but a, uh, a new light being shed on black capitalism. Now, if you know me, okay, 
If you follow me on any social media, you would know that Nathaniel Mahan, that is me, hates capitalism. I think capitalism is the worst thing to ever happen on this earth. And I'll get into that in a few minutes here, okay? But a lot of black people seem to be, you know, idolizing this capitalist system. And I have friends and family who do the same thing. And, you know, it, 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 it saddens me to see them, you know, fall in and, and, and conform to a system which has done nothing good for anybody who's been marginalized ever in the history of the world. And that is pretty much every single population group. Even you, white men, you have been marginalized at some point in history. Okay, I'll get into that in a few minutes here, too. Because, trust me, a lot of people are like, what the hell? White men being marginalized? Is that possible? What? <laughs> Anyways, yes, it, it, it is possible. So, I just wanted to touch on that. And and I, I, I for me, it, it, it takes quite a bit to mention this as a black person. Because, of course, you know, a lot of people um, get uncomfortable when they are criticized. and Or, or, or when um, popular liberal movements are criticized for their hypocrisy and uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna say it. liberals are hypocrites <laughs> okay like I, I i there i said are you happy now okay anyways now what do i mean by black capitalism being hippocratic or hypocritical yes not hippocratic hippocratic has to do with medicine hypocritical has to do with you know uh, uh what i would call double think as they say uh, in orwell's 1984 what I mean by this is that capitalism has been the bane of marginalized people's society since the beginning of capitalism. Now, what I mean by this is that basically capitalism caused all of our problems in today's world. Like literally every single problem you see in today's world, you can trace it back to somebody wanting to make money from or off of another person's um, labor, exploiting someone for profit. That, that's what it is, okay? And 2020 exposed that in such a light but 2020 also exposed to me at least that people don't know that people don't know that we are fighting the wrong enemy especially in the in, in marginalized people's communities today people of color uh, uh people part of the lgbtq plus community people who are, are are who are um you know minorities they don't realize that listen racism is not a human innate trait racism is not a thing by itself. Racism cannot exist without capitalism. Racism and capitalism, in my opinion, all right, this is my opinion based off quantifiable, verifiable facts, all right, such as like literal statistics when it comes to slave ships crossing the Atlantic Ocean, all right, I'll go into that in a couple seconds here as well. But racism is birthed, at least in a modern context, is birthed out of capitalism, especially racism in regards to anti-black or anti-Chinese, or anti-Jewish, or anti-Middle uh, Eastern, anti-South Asian, you know, anti-anything racism is based off of um, capitalism. And the reason why that is, is because racism is a direct product of classism. Right, a lot of isms here, okay? You got capitalism, racism, classism, what's next? Well, trust me, there's quite a few things coming up next. Now, I'm gonna go back to the slave ship database. Now, these numbers are accessible to you. They're free online. If you just Google slave ship database or slave ship stats database or something, you can pull up these numbers yourself, all right? And you can pull up the numbers and you can also pull up numbers regarding cash crop production in the Caribbean, in the United States, in India, Australia, Africa, and South America. Now, 
slavery, okay, especially, are you listening, American audience? This is a black man telling you what slavery was. Slavery was not a racialized institution until the slave trade itself was abolished by the British Empire. I repeat, slavery was not a racialized institution until the slave trade was abolished by the British Empire in the, the early 19th century. Yes, okay, you have been lied to in school. White man did not go to Africa and steal black man and take black man to America. Nobody was stolen. People were sold, all right? People were sold into captivity. They were sold into bondage of another person. Slaves were not seen as individuals. They were seen as commodities. And of course, commodities can only exist within capitalist societies. All right? Simple as that. Capitalism 101 is commodification of anything. Today we're seeing it with water. My last episode I talked about it. Water is now a commodity. Water can now be bought and sold on a large scale as future stocks. It has always been available as general stocks, but now it's future. So it's, it's, it's treated like gold or oil or, or any other precious material. It's now water, okay? Water is now commodified. Back in the, the, you know, the colonial days, slaves were a commodity. Now slaves, okay, came in all races, all shapes, sizes, and colors, right? Until the abolition of the slave trade by the British Empire. Now that is like a sort of defining moment in the history of black people in the Western world, okay? The early 19th century. Now of course, this is a very gray area. It's not like a binary system. It's very much like a spectrum, okay? Things evolve over time, but you can identify that date. Now, the reason why I brought up the slave trade database is because you can directly correlate the amount of slaves being brought over to the new world with the amount of sugar that was demanded in Europe or in America or in anywhere else in the world for that matter, but mainly Europe and America. The amount of sugar and the amount of cotton and the amount of tobacco. The more sugar, cotton, and tobacco demand there was in Europe, the more sugar, cotton, tobacco uh, production had to be produced and the more labor you needed to produce such cash crops. Therefore, slavery num or slave numbers increased during those times. And when demand was low, the trade of slaves lowered. All right, it, it's simple mathematics, simple economics. It's, there's nothing complicated. A, a, a five-year-old can understand this kind of stuff. If you want more trees, you go and plant more trees. If you want less trees, you cut down more trees, right? If you want more cotton, you grow more cotton. If you want less cotton, you don't grow as much cotton. But when you need more cotton, you need more people to pick the cotton. Therefore, you have more slaves. All right? Simple as that. Now, of course, there are more economic factors that go into this. You know, the buying, the prices, the markets of slaves and whatnot. Yes, that all has an impact. But when cash crops were valuable, slaves were more valuable. Therefore, more slaves were brought over from Africa. Now, I have spoken about this earlier in my podcast um, career, I guess earlier this year at some point, about the truth behind slavery. And because this is a huge topic for me, um, you know, growing up, you're taught one thing, but then when you read some books and look at some numbers, you realize, holy crap, it's a total different thing out here. And again, slavery was not an institution created on the basis of race. Now, the only reason why slavery is seen as such a racialized issue today is because, in my opinion, of the abolition of the slave trade by the British Empire in the early 19th century. This, you know, made slavery a racialized thing because there was no longer a steady, reliable stream of slaves coming in 
from another part of the world. The slaves that were in, let's just say America, for example, remained in America. There were no more new slaves coming in legally. There were some, there were some coming in illegally through Cuba and through the Bahamas and through Brazil and through, uh, um, I think, Puerto Rico as well. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I have the numbers. I have a whole like graph here. Um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you on my, I don't know. I got to make like a Patreon or something so I can see my notes and whatnot. But anyways, I have a whole chart here. And the numbers of slaves coming into America basically became zero after the abolition of the trade. Now, the British abolishing the trade was not because the well, it partially because the British felt, I guess, bad about slavery. It's not really a good thing, of course, right? But also because they realized, hey, we can make more money by paying the workers like a pittance rather than sustaining the workers' well-being by giving them shelter, food, water, and whatnot. Anyways, so when slaves were no longer coming in to the United States, a new form of subjugation had to be inflicted upon the population which were already enslaved. All right, they were no longer seen as as a foreign worker coming in and toiling on a rich plantation owner's land. They were seen as property, and they had to be you know taken down a notch. All right, because at this time, slaves and cattle were like the same sort of thing, right? Or slaves and horses were, let's say, on the same level. But after the abolition of slavery, America was like, holy crap, we need to keep a control of our slaves even more now. So they basically lowered the slave status to below that of cattle, to below that of livestock, into a new category of lowness, such as being a black slave in America. They made it so that being black equated to being a slave, rather than being a worker on a plantation equated to being a slave. Therefore, you can very clearly argue that racism in, in the American context is a direct descendant of classism, which is a direct descendant of capitalism, right? They can't exist, they, they coexist. They, they are one and the same. Like they are part of the same overall arching consequences of living in a capitalist society. Now. What about other forms of racism? Let's bring in anti-Semitism for now, okay? I've spoken about anti-Semitism quite a bit on this channel. Some people have referred to me as an anti-Semitic because of my opinion on Israel. But anyways, <laughs> I'm not anti-Semitic. Um, no, I, I just don't get it why I am. Anyways, uh, I'm not anti-Semitic, okay? Just so you guys know. I'm not racist. I'm not classist. I'm not homophobic. I'm not anything, all right? I'm just Nathaniel. I'm doing my thing, all right? Anyways, uh, class or, or, or racism in terms of anti-Semitism is also a, a form of discrimination based in the system of capitalism, okay? I'm going to skip ahead to Nazi Germany. There's a reason why Germans pointed the finger at Jews, all right? And now this reason, of course, was not legitimate. It wasn't a real reason. It was fabricated. But it was fabricated in the context of social class. And by social class, I mean financial class. Now, the German pop or the German government or, or those far-right Nazi, um, you know, fascist douchebags, you know, to put it politely, um, blamed the Jews for Germany's economic disparity between the two world wars. They claimed the Jews were taking all the money, taking all the business, and blamed them for all the issues. So rather than fix the economic issue, they determined that the Jews were the problem and they needed to be dealt with. All right. Now, in this case, it's a bit reversed. It's a bit of a reverse um, classism here. It's the lower class 
going against a perceived upper class. Meanwhile, the real upper class, which was the German elite, the German bourgeois, was really controlling everything and really responsible for all of the um, financial trouble, the, the, the German nobility, the German monarchy, not the German Jews. So this belief that there was an invisible upper class pulling all the strings resulted in one of the worst genocides in the history of the world. Look at that. Another form of racism based on classism. Bit different than slavery, but still racism based on classism. Today in the United States, again, going back to America, when you have the racism against Latin American people, especially those crossing the border illegally, the only reason why Americans dislike Latin American or, or, or some Americans dislike those from Latin America is because of perceived poverty. American people, for some reason, hate poor people. And I don't know why, because damn near half of all Americans I consider to be below the poverty line. <laughs> Same in Canada. A lot of us here, in fact, you know, to, to be completely brutally honest with you, most people, I think, have experienced life, including myself, below the poverty line. And if you haven't experienced such a life, then you're lucky. But most people have experienced some degree of life which would be considered to be poverty. And that's the only reason why we have such, you know, strict anti-Mexican, anti-Central American um, sentiment in the United States. Same thing can be said in Canada. The reason why the, the First Nations people are by a large number the most um, pre prevalent uh, demographic in prisons is not because we just hate First Nations people. It's because First Nations people are also the highest demographic of people living below the poverty line. Therefore, poverty equates to racial discrimination, or, or, or poverty leads to racial discrimination. And of course, you can only really be poor in a capitalist society, because in a capitalist society, it enables the super rich, the super top 1%, to take advantage of the remaining 99%. And a certain portion of the 99% just can't seem to escape the clutches of the top 1% and sink low into what we would consider being below the poverty line. Now, this is, again, it's a pretty unpopular opinion, especially among black people, um, because it challenges the narrative that, uh, you know, it's not only black people struggling. Yes, black people struggle, but not because we're black. It's because many of us are poor. We struggle the same or in similar ways as poor white people struggle, but there's a perceived eliteness. There's a perceived difference between poor black folks and poor white folks based on the color of the skin. However, we're both one and the same. There's nothing separating us besides the color of our skin. And let me tell you, the color of our skin is totally irrelevant when it comes to how we live our lives. It doesn't matter what color you are, we all eat, we all shit, we all sleep, we all die. That, that, that's it, right? It doesn't matter what genitals, it doesn't matter what color you are, we're all the same. We're all human beings, all right? The difference is, you know, uh, the differences appear when it comes to finances, when it comes to financial disparity. So we can agree, okay? And, and, and this is something I want to propose to you, a thesis. I, I, I want to propose this towards you. And, and let's see if, if, if you um, cancel me or, or if, if you support me for this. Maybe you'll have your own opinion. Let me know on my social media at The Mix Up on Twitter and The Mix Up Podcast on Instagram. Slip me a DM and let me know if you agree with the statement. Poverty is a bigger issue in the world, especially the Western world, 
than any other issue currently going on. Everything else, poverty takes the cake, number one thing. Every single issue, or the, the, when I say every single one, I mean the vast, 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 vast majority. I'm talking the 99.999, you know, dash infinity percentile of, of, of crime, of, of issues, of, of mental illnesses, of suicides, of, of healthcare related things, um, obesity, um, basically everything can be traced right back to somebody not having enough money. And of course, you can only not have enough money if you live in a society which runs on finance, aka a capitalist society. So what I'm basically saying is, without capitalism, we would live in a in an infinitely better world. Now, how do we do this? Well, maybe this is a good segue into my next episode, or what hopefully will be my next episode. Because I again, at the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about Cuba and its revolution. And maybe that will give us some ideas as to how we can overcome this society which really hasn't made out for us. Now, to wrap up this episode, I want to uh, leave you with this um, this thought. If there's anything that... So, so let me restart here. <laughs> I'm scatterbrained. I told you. Now, you may still think, Nathaniel, you're just a rambling socialist what should I care about you? Maybe you're just lazy. Maybe you're just uh, uh, not cut out to make it in this world. Maybe you're you're destined for mediocrity. Now, maybe you're that person. And I'm sure there's some people listening to the show that feel that way about me. And if you do, hey, shoot me a DM. Let's chat ideology. Let's chat theory. And let's see where we both stand and see if we can come to a middle ground. Let's, let me learn about you and you can learn about me. And we can produce something nice out of it. But to you people out there who are skeptical of the evils of capitalism, to you who who embraces this society where we are producing a lot more than what we are compensated, let me ask you this. Go to, or let me tell you this, it's not really a question, it's more of a statement, more of a command. Go to any prison database Go to any um, suicide database, any public suicide database. Some of them are, are, are private, rightly so. Um, but go to any public suicide database. Go to any statistic or any statistics regarding GDP and life expectancy. Go to any, you know, encyclopedia that discusses finance. And then go to any encyclopedia which discusses mental health or crime and show me the correlations that you see. Now, the reason why I'm telling you to show me the correlations is because it's a pretty obvious thing that there are obvious correlations. And maybe I will start posting on, maybe I'll start a website. Maybe I will do that. I, I, I should do that next year for sure. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll post my uh, mathematical quantifiable uh, findings and Go to these sources, do your own research, and show me that you're still right, that capitalism is still the way to go. Show me that it is not a crime in this world, or, or, or it is not a direct path to crime in this world to be poor. And if you say it is, then show me how do we no longer have poor people in this society while we live in a capitalist society. I demand it. Show me. If you can't show me, 
well, shut up. Don't talk to me. <laughs> well, okay, uh, that was mean. But if you can't prove to me that your way is better than mine, then maybe you shouldn't be... Uh... No, you know what? No, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> because I can say some stuff that will get me into big trouble. Anyways, I'm Nate. This is The Mixup. You can find me on social media at The Mixup on Twitter or at The Mixup Podcast on Instagram. Stay tuned. I'll be posting in the new year because it's Christmas Eve at the time of recording and this is going up on Boxing Day. But in the new year, I will hopefully be releasing that episode about Cuba. It might be a two-parter, one-parter, I don't know. And hopefully I'll have a website up sometime in the early part of the new year and hopefully, maybe, perhaps, posting on YouTube at some point early in the new year. Anyways, happy holidays, stay safe, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, I don't care, as long as you're staying safe, and you're staying positive, and you're fighting the battle against capitalism. Anyways, I'm Nate, this is The Mix Up, have a fantastic, fantastic um, holiday season, and Happy New Year. Anyways, bye.